Welcome to Out of the Ring with Jackie Callen on Exposure Network TV. I am so excited about today's guest, not just because he's the former junior middleweight champion of the world, but he's also a great friend of mine, Bronco McCart. Bronco, say hi to everybody. Hey, good afternoon, Jackie. Uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You were one of my first guests in mine. I said the first person I want to talk to, Bronco McCart. Uh, thank you. I think it'll be fun to tell people how we actually got together because Bronco was one of my favorite fighters that I've managed in my career. And we go back, it's almost 30 years now. So it's not like a quick thing and then hello, goodbye. Right. We managed to stay connected and stay friends for three decades, which in boxing with loyalty not being the number <laughs> one quality in most fighters, <laughs> a pretty rare thing. So why don't you explain how we first met and how we actually got together? Well, we actually, we had a mutual friend, Kelly Duffy, um, who actually absolutely just admired you and loved you to death. And uh, I guess he had, he had brought my name up to you uh, before and you said, well, when he gets back from winning the Nationals, I would love to sign him. And uh, why well, didn't win the Nationals? I got beaten the Nationals, I think the quarterfinals maybe or whatever. And, uh, but he brought me to you anyways. You wanted to take a look at me and, uh, and then get the time when went down to that uh, that gym down in the in underneath that fire department down up in Livonia. Oh, right, yeah. Livonia, right. Yeah, and and they say, hey, we want to bring you in the spar, you know, see what you look like, and if we like what we see, we'll consider signing you. I'm like, oh, great. So me and my dad drive up there and go down in the basement. And I'm getting my hands wrapped, and the only other fighter I see in the gym is James Tony. And I, I say to my dad, well, who, I wonder who I'm boxing. I see who that is, dad. He said, who? I said, man, that's James Tony, middleweight champ of the world. He's an animal. He's this, he's that, you know, all these things. So Bill Miller comes over, says, hey, uh, you about ready? And I said, yeah, um, but who am, I, who am I sparring? Point over James Tony. I'm like, James Tony? I told my dad, I said, you know what this guy's going to do to me, right? <laughs> I said, he's, he's brutal. So, but. I came out and, you know, I boxed him well. And to his credit, he didn't take advantage of me at all. Afterwards, matter of fact, he said, you know, you've got more guts than anybody they ever brought in. Because I tried to I tried to box him hard. But he was going to do me in and I, at least I would go down swinging, you know. But to his credit. Well, Bill uh, Miller, Bill Miller, who was training James, mm -hmm. was so impressed with you that he ended up wanting to train you as well. That so was, it, yeah. It worked out really well, didn't it? Yes, it did. I'll never forget that day when he picked my name off the board and said he, I was the guy he wanted to train underneath, underneath James. Oh, man, I was so excited. It, it was great. It was fantastic. A lot of great memories. Well, you know what? I think that you learned a lot, you know, not just as a boxer, but as a person, because we were a strong unit. The Galaxy boxing team back in the early 90s, which was built around James Tony, who was the yes. champion. I think that everybody learned a lot about not just discipline. James was a hard trainer. So he had all of you training hard because nobody could take a day off. Nobody could go easy because we set the bar high at Galaxy. So you had to come there and be ready to start anytime with anyone. And I think that helped make everybody a better fighter, don't you? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's funny, me and my dad were just talking about it today, how um we trained on Fridays and James always said the champs trained on Fridays and you knew, you knew, you knew who really wanted to fight or by those that were in the gym on Fridays. Um, sometimes days, uh, weekends, just depending on what was going on, how close we were to fights. I mean, it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't, we didn't play like pops used to say, we didn't play boxing, you know, we lived it. And, and we came up 
And it was great, Jackie, because you, you, you know, you used to sit in your office with that big window and you kind of sat out like, uh, like the mom watching her children play in the backyard, so to speak. But you look close um, on us and made sure that we were doing right, um, not only inside the ring, but outside. You took care of us like a mom, like family. Um, we all loved you and you loved, all, you know, you loved us. And it was just a di different atmosphere. I mean, it was boxing. We were genuine. We had gym wars. We had fights, you know, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, we were family. And I think that's what made us different than a lot of gyms. Well, I don't know if you remember, but one of the highlights for me was one day somebody at my door, this envelope, and in it was like a certificate, one of those things you get like at uh, Hallmark or somewhere, and it said, bitch of the week. And I was yeah. so excited to be called a bitch. Do you remember that? Yeah, I, can, I do. I, Thank you, yes. And I went on the little microphone that went out to the gym and I said, I want to know who put that under my door. <laughs> right. No one would admit it because they thought I was mad. And I was actually yeah. happy that somebody saw that side of me for a change, that That's I wasn't fun. just this easygoing mom figure. But I think we all learned a lot. I learned a lot from all of you guys and, and hopefully you learned a lot back. So Yeah, I mean, tell you me know, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you, what you learned from that first loss in, in Vegas, I think it was like your seventh fight. And it was on the yeah. undercard of when James fought Iran Barkley. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think everybody's first loss, whether it's in a fight or even in life in general, the first disappointment you get, the first job you lose, it has a huge impact on you. How did that first loss affect you? Well, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it crushed me, obviously, especially, especially in the big atmosphere like that. I remember, I remember seeing like Bruce Willis and Montel Williams and all those people out in the audience, you know, I think, man, you lose in front of them. But regardless, it, it hurt to have that loss. But the thing that, that really made a difference was when you had George Foreman come in my locker room and pat me on the back and kind of give me a pep talk. And man, that meant the world to me because I was like, George Foreman, you know, you took the time to say that someday I'm going to be world champion because you saw something in me. So, you know, the thing about a loss in any part of your life, you know, if you're surrounded by the right people, you know, I think that makes a huge difference. And you have to be able to pull yourself up because I remember coming back to Monroe and I remember a guy coming up to me after my loss, shaking my hand, a guy that I knew very well, shook my hand, gave me a hug and said, hey, champ, at least you gave it a run. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you lost that fight out in Vegas. I said, I lost that fight. Yeah, I said, now my career begins. Now it's when it gets real. You know, now is not the time to quit. Now is the time to prove to everybody that I do belong and that I will get there. So it's all, it's all a mindset, you know. I took the loss as motivation that I'm not going to get that feeling again. <laughs> I didn't like it. Well, for you, it worked. You know, it was a motivator. And I think it made you a better fighter because – you lost that by just a hair. It was a split decision. It wasn't like you right. got knocked out or lost every round. It was a very close fight. Mm -hmm. And I think it showed you that you have to dig deep in every fight and bring out whatever you've got just so that you can edge out that other guy in case just that little bit ahead of you, you've got to dig deep. Well, the thing is, I always remembered him. Clayton Williams. That was his name. I always remembered him. And I remember, you know, Clayton Williams was a national champion like that year before he turned pro. And then on, later on, he got beat by a guy named Pat Brasenio. And then Pat Brasenio got beat by uh, Brandon Crowley. And then I got to fight Brandon Crowley and I beat Crowley. So, so through proxy, I felt like I got my revenge and my loss. <laughs> 
it's it's interesting how we do that in boxing. We look at yeah. who fights who and who beat who to kind of gauge yourself to see where yeah. you are. Yeah. So that was kind of a good revenge story. Mm-hmm. Now, I wanted to ask you about having your dad so involved in your career, because for some fighters, that has been a real drawback. It's caused mm-hmm. a lot of problems. Father and son issues get in the way of a good working relationship. But your dad's been involved in your career. He was there from day one and he was there all the way through. How did you manage to be father and son and still work together all the time? See, my dad was smart enough to realize that 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 could happen. So that's why he always was the second in the corner. You know, he never was the head trainer in my professional career. He always had somebody out there in front. Um, And if he saw some things that maybe the, the head trainer wouldn't see, he would bring it to their attention in between rounds and let them, you know, convey it to me as opposed to himself. Because sometimes, you know, being a father and a son, it's like, you know, Jackie, you raise kids, you can tell your kids to do something and they don't do it. Somebody else tells them and they do it and they get, you know, it's successful for them. And and you told them that in the first place, but just because you're the parent, they don't want to hear it. So he was smart enough, but also me and my dad have a special relationship. I love, I love my dad and I respected him enough back then and still respect him enough now to listen to what he has to say. So we had a different kind of relationship, you know. I mean, my dad, we were just talking about it again. He would get up in the morning with me at five o'clock when I was an amateur. And if it was dark out, um, so I wouldn't be by myself, he would get out and uh, ride the bike behind me while I ran. Or if it was too cold for him to ride the bike, he would get in the car and go behind me. Or if it was really cold, we'd go in the gym and the community center would open us open up for us in the morning. So my dad was always there throughout my whole career and always backed me and, and, and took care of me. Well, I want to ask you about the Winky Wright fights, but we're going to take a break. So think about what you're going to say when we come right back. Okay. Bronco McCart. We were just about to talk about Winky Wright, and I don't know if that's a good subject or a bad subject, but you and Winky Wright have a long history together, three fights, a trilogy, and I want to talk about the first one because that one to me was so controversial. At the end of it, it was a split decision and you lost it, but I want you to know that as your manager, I went to the commission and I asked them to review it, which they did. And ultimately, they said that it's in the hands of the judges and they weren't going to dispute it. But I thought you won, didn't you? Yeah, I thought I won the first fight. Um, I I definitely thought I won the first fight, A, being the champion and B, just I I thought I did enough to win regardless. Um, I fought the fight just how we wanted to. I knew the first couple of rounds was going to be tough for me just because of his style. We would pick it up in the middle and then get strong in the end. And that's exactly what we did. And uh, he eked out a split decision. And, um, you know, that, that, that hurt because you work, you work your whole life to, and, and I, you feel like it was, to me, I felt like it was just, you know, stolen, but you know, not stolen, but that's the word that comes to I mind. I thought it just, was stolen. Yeah. I did. It was hometown. You, the advantage would be yours, even if you didn't quite win, but you clearly won and still didn't get the decision. We were all you know, really, really upset about that. You know, the crazy part about that, I remember this all after all after the fact. I remember we was with Tom Baca and Bill Kozerski back then, and they they asked the Michigan judge because, you know, Winky had a Florida judge. I had a Michigan judge. 
And then there was a neutral judge from, I think, Indiana. Well, the neutral judge went my way. The Florida judge went the way the Florida judge should have went. And the Michigan judge went the other way and gave him two rounds that both the other judges gave me. And that's what that was the swing. And I remember Vodka asking that guy, why, why, what happened there? He said, oh, I didn't want to be, uh, I didn't want to seem like I was, you know, favoring the hometown guy, blah, blah, blah. And he, Vodka said, you idiot. That's why you were brought in. And I remember Vodka just screaming this guy. Never forget that. Yeah, Vodka was the matchmaker, by the way. Yeah. And this fight was a winnable fight for you. And you did win it. It was just bad circumstances. I have to show you something. I still have this. Oh, yeah. 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 My Bronco McCart jacket. It's like 26 <laughs> years old. I love and it. I still wear it. And it reminds me of all the good times that we had. And one of the things that that stands out to me about you is the fact that you were a father at what? 18? 18. Yes. 18. And I mean, here's all these fighters in the gym and there's Bronco bringing this little girl to the gym and yeah. you were the only one that had children and she yeah. <laughs> was the cutest little thing. But the part that really got me is that you were a grandfather at 36 years old. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Still fighting. I mean, yeah, I'm still fighting. <laughs> I couldn't believe that. I mean, the youngest looking grandfather on the planet. That's so hilarious. how are all the kids now? I mean, you have three kids. Yep. And yep. how many grandchildren now? Three, three grandchildren. My oldest will be 14. Wow. My oldest granddaughter will be 14 in uh, September. So yeah, everybody's doing well. They're all, they're all, well, my oldest daughter, um, they run a uh, very successful plumbing company. Uh, my my youngest, she's uh, going to school for nursing, working at the hospital right now. My middle son, he graduates from the UT uh, University of Toledo, four years. He graduates here just in the next few weeks, this month, actually. So they're all doing well. Uh, everybody's doing great. Now, my oldest daughter, she she's the boxing aficionado in the family. She knows the fights in and out, calls me before every fight, texts me during the fight. She's always loved boxing. She was raised in that atmosphere. My other two, she I didn't really put literally in. raised, like you say. Yeah. She used to sit in my office. I think she was yeah. like three, four years old. Yeah. So yeah, she was. That's all she knows is boxing. Yeah. She knows it in and out, and she can man, she can work those hand pads like wow. Now I have another question. A lot of boxers, when they get out of the sport, are kind of lost. You know, here's something they've done for maybe 15, 20 years of their life. Now what? You have just sailed on and you went into real estate. What made you pick real estate? Well, honestly, though, when I my my first year of retirement was like I was I was lost. I know that I know that exact feeling, man. I didn't know what to do with myself. I remember reading my retirement article and after I read it, I just kind of like dropped the paper on the floor and I had so many emotions run through me at one time. I didn't know which way to turn. It was, it was the weirdest feeling ever. I felt like I wanted to run, but I didn't know how to move. And I started crying. I didn't know if I was crying because I was happy or if I was sad or what was going on. So my first year, I, I really, really, really struggled. Um, that, but I, I got into, I tried insurance. I tried doing insurance and I really didn't like it because, you know, you're always chasing the policies. It just, I just, it just didn't. And then um, my girlfriend, Paula, who I've been dating for almost five years now, her uh, family owns a real estate company, a very successful real estate company here in Monroe. And they have a couple offices uh, spread around. And I thought, you know what? I'd like to try real estate. So took my exam, my tests. Um, she helps me a lot. Of course, the family helps me a lot. And it's going really well. 
I really love it. I enjoy it. It's just like, it's just like boxing. You know, anytime you deal with people and businessmen, you just, I remember initially one time Paula said, Hey, this is not boxing. You can't talk that way because I told this real estate agent, I said, I left boxing to get away from people like you. I said, then you're trying to do the same kind of deals that, you know, it, it, it's just crazy, but I really enjoy it. Um, boxing has taught me a lot just how to deal in life. It's, it's the same thing as life, really. Boxing is life. Take it one day, one round at a time. You're going to get knocked down. You're going to get hurt. You just got to get up and continue on. Well, it's probably similar because it's winning and losing. Sometimes you make the sale. Sometimes you don't make the sale. And mm-hmm. I'm sure it's not making the sale is as disappointing as a loss in a different sort of way. Sure. And because you put in the same kind of same amount of work, same kind of time, you know, you're, you're up late, you're, you're wheeling and dealing. And then Paula helps me out a lot in a lot of the uh, getting stuff in the computer. And so she puts hours in at a time. Oops. Lost you for a second. There there. You are. Oh, yeah. You know what happened? So I didn't, I didn't airplane mode it before. And so calls are coming in. Sorry about that. Anyway, so Paula helps you a lot, which I'm sure is good for the relationship as well as for the working relationship. It can be sometimes. Yeah, you know, but just like when we talked about me and my dad, sometimes when you're you're in a, they kind of, your butt heads about things that you probably wouldn't with somebody else. But no, we make it work for sure. Before we come back, I'm going to ask you a question. We're going to take a break. But I want to know about the Boxing Commission because you're on the Michigan Boxing Commission and there's a lot going on in boxing. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about that. Right. I'm going to grab, grab a glass of water. Real quick. Actually, okay, we're call- back with Bronco McCart. Okay, we're back with Bronco McCart. Bronco, you're now on the Michigan Boxing Commission. Tell me what you do there and how did you decide to get on the commission? Well, it's actually called, the, they changed it. It's the MUCC, the Michigan Un- Unarmed Combat Commission, because it oversees uh, MMA and, and different things too. So, um, well, I retired in July of 2014 and there was an opening on the board that was going to in September, actually, of that same year. So I reached out to a friend of mine who was um, at the time very, very high on politics in Michigan. And um, I filled out all the stuff and he brought it directly to the governor's office and, um, you know, got me, helped me get on the board. I mean, I was qualified without, I I mean, I don't want to say it like this, but I mean, I spent 22 years in in the game. And uh, so I was very qualified. I felt to be on the board. And, you know, we've just made a whole bunch of rule changes, different things that we're trying to institute. Um, We're trying to make Michigan more more competitive, you know, because we have a great history here in Michigan. A lot of great fighters, a lot of great world champions throughout the history of the sport came right from the Michigan, you know, Detroit area, but just Michigan in general. So we're trying to make it a little more competitive. We're trying to make the fights better. Um, We want to get more TV here. Um, We, like I said, we have just instituted a whole big rule change. And uh, I was part of that. So, you know, it's, uh, it's a different being on this side. You know, I'm a little more compassionate towards the fighters, but I'm also a little more hard on certain things. Uh, you know, when it comes to drug fails and things like that, I don't, I don't, I'm not real sympathetic. To that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's important so. because so many people don't realize that there's a lot of things that fighters have to pass certain tests 
eye tests, physicals, neurologicals, and, and blood tests is one of them. Make sure they don't have HIV, don't have hep C, and, and now especially COVID. So COVID has changed the boxing scene this last year. Oh in my a gosh. Very negative way. COVID has just changed everything. But yes, there's 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 been very few shows. Um, and what shows there have been, except for the uh, last Clarissa Shield show that they did, all the other shows really didn't have any fans. It was it was more just uh, the ring people, the doctors, the officials, the corner people, and the fighters. There wasn't really, you know, and, it, and it's a shame too because man, boxing is really, uh, you know, we're battling in boxing right now. I, th- I think I do think it's on. I I do think. I do think it's on the upswing, in my opinion, since we had that lull in the in the late 2000s where it was really going down and MMA was taken up and boxing went down. But I think right now it's it's doing really well. They just need to put uh, the bigger, better fights together. Give give the fans what they want, right. which 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 was what you did, which is what the era before you did. They put on all the big fights, and that's why so many people watched it. Well, I'm hoping it comes back again because, like you said, Michigan is a big sports state to begin with, and we've had some great champions from here. And hopefully when we can have audiences again, boxing will come back to Detroit into our area because a promoter can't make any money without any audience. It's really hard to even break even. So especially with no TV, it's almost impossible. Oh, yeah. You TV. people start coming back again yeah we're hoping so too you know i i would like to see uh, first and foremost just the world get back in order and then and then you know i'd like to see boxing oh, come back in michigan that would be that'd be fantastic yeah we, we're looking forward to it because we're just like i said we did all these rule changes and and now we're just kind of sitting here twiddling our thumbs there's not a whole lot uh to really do well hopefully COVID is on the way out. Let's pray for that. Let's pray for our sport that it bounces back as strong as it used to be in the 80s, 90s, and the early 2000s. And Bronco, you've been such a big part of my life and and the boxing scene as well. And I appreciate your time for coming on the show. And I want everybody to just remember that life is, is a lot like a boxing match. And some of the most interesting things happen out of the ring. And I'll see you next time.